everybody. You were listening to Limited Play Time, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. And I am Jason Cavallari. There you go, Jason. There's a regular, normal, old intro for you instead of the weirdness that came out last week. Back back to form. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Exactly. At least for this week. At least for this week. This week, we are talking about Forbidden Desert. It is forbidden. Not dessert. Desert. Desert. The sandy place. The forbidden dessert. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. That's what I really am interested in. But we'll just settle for Forbidden Desert today. Forbidden Desert is designed by Matt Leacock, who we have talked about before. Matt Leacock was involved in the design of Pandemic, a little game you may have heard of, uh, as well as the other two games in the Forbidden series, Forbidden Island and Forbidden Sky, which we also reviewed a few months ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, uh, it is published by GameRight, and art is done by C.B. Kanga and Tyler Edlin. Okay. Yep, Forbidden Desert is a cooperative game, not unlike Pandemic, uh, that Jason and I are both on record as saying uh, it is one of our favorite games. Well, Forbidden Desert or Pandemic? Forbidden Desert. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, podcast over, we can all go home. Right. <laughs> Everybody get Forbidden Desert. But no, let's let's talk about what makes Forbidden Desert one of our favorite games. Because is it the best game in the world? No. Is it the most deep game in the world? No. No. Is it the game that's maybe like the most satisfying in the world? Most satisfying? No, but it's pretty satisfying. Right. But here's the thing about Forbidden Desert, and I think we'll have to get into this. I think like the 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 balance of cost, the balance of component, the balance of rule set, the balance of uh, complexity to learn, and the balance of complexity to play it well is just, like, really, really, really well done. There's just this, I think, in my opinion, extreme balance of all of those things to make what is, in my opinion, a really good game in an affordable package with good presentation and a satisfying, fun rule set. Yeah. Let's talk about why, okay? Okay. Because we're already on record as saying this is a good game. Uh, so why should somebody go out and buy Forbidden Desert? Well, I guess first let's talk about, in general, how do you play Forbidden Desert, Jason? Okay, well, um, so the idea is that you've crash-landed in a desert, and you need to collect the pieces of your crashed airship so you can reassemble it and leave. The board, such as it is, is a bunch of tiles. Uh, they're arranged in a square with one empty space and the empty space is the sandstorm and every turn you have i think it's four actions or three actions four actions actions. yeah uh which include things like move um pick up a piece uh clear sand um which is another you know as the game goes on sand accumulates uh, on the tiles as the sandstorm moves around so you have to clear it before you can move through them um you can excavate a tile which means you flip it over so that uh, on the side that it's, when you set up the board, the side that's facing up is just sand. It's just desert. Um, and then when you flip it over, there can be any of a number of things on there. There can be like a, an oasis. There can be a, some kind of ancient structure that will usually give you a um, uh, like a, an equipment card that'll do various things. Could you find a giant sandworm? No, actually, I don't think you could. Oh, well, I guess this game isn't perfect. <laughs> i i mean most of it is just art um and then it's you know the, the effects on the other side of the tile are usually like get an equipment thing um fine uh it's get, get uh, one half of, of a location yeah for half a piece. of a location so the location for the pieces are basically like the intersection of uh the row and the column in which 
the uh, the tiles for those pieces intersect. Uh, so you'll be in one place and you'll flip over a, a, a tile and it'll be like the red piece. But in order to find where the red piece actually is, you have to find the corresponding uh, column. So you find the other red piece tile and then where those two things, where the line from those two things intersect is where you get the piece. Yeah, and then you actually put a physical piece on that tile. And if that tile moves around, because every tile in the game can move around based on how the sandstorm pushing the sand around the board, uh, the the piece will move with that tile. So even though the intersection might be, you know, that space initially, that piece may not stay there for the remainder of the game. So, you know, you might have to, if you're close to it right away, you might want to run over and grab it rather than wait for it to, like, you know, shift away essentially. Yeah. So after you uh, take your four actions, um, you draw, I, I forget what the deck is called, but they're basically like storm cards. Yeah. Um, you, you draw uh, a number of those cards according to the intensity of the storm, which is kept track of on this little like cardboard stand meter. It's like a monolith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty large. Um, and then on each of those cards, uh, there's usually a direction in which the sandstorm will move. So you shift tiles to accommodate the sandstorm moving, and every tile that gets shifted gets more sand piled on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the cards include things like, uh, I think it's like storm intensifies, which means mm-hmm. you increase the intensity of the storm on the meter, which will mean eventually that you'll have to pull more cards after every turn so the storm gets really, uh, really going. Uh, and then there are some like more dangerous cards in the short term, which are uh, the sun, sun beats, beats down, down card, which makes you lose yeah. water, which is like a health meter. Yeah, it's it's basically um, the only real health resource in the game. Unlike uh, when we were talking about Forbidden Sky, there was two health meters in that game just to complicate things for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, actually, isn't that? I think that's it. Just the the storm. The storm cards, the storm intensifies, or the storm picks up, and the sun beats down cards. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's just, it, it's yeah. just that there's different, um, there's different like intensities of the storm movement. So like sometimes the storm will only move like one tile up, down, left, or right. Sometimes it'll be two spaces up, down, left, or right, and sometimes it's three. And so you know, like you're going to be piling on more sand if it's three spaces because it's going to move up to three spaces of, of sand and then you're piling up to three spaces of, of the board and then you're piling sand on each one of those essentially. Um, yeah. You know, when you're playing so, this game, you kind of hope that like it'll, it'll try moving to the left when it's already on the left edge. So it can't move any further and it'll basically give you like a little bit of a reprieve for a turn. Yeah. And th- that's also why you don't really want the storm to intensify all that much because the more cards you pull after every turn, the more the sandstorm is going to move and the more sand is going to get piled on top of these things. Yeah, that you yeah. do eventually have to excavate in order to get the pieces that you need to leave. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, you spend the you spend the game trying to find the pieces, getting back to the launch pad where you can reassemble your whirly gig uh, airship thing. And <laughs> yeah, it's escape, like a essentially. It really is. Yeah, it looks like something out of Final Fantasy. Um, yeah, and... and here's the thing: like, you all have to escape. Like, if any yeah. one of you dies during the entirety of the game, you all lose. No one left behind in the Forbidden <laughs> Desert. Uh, but exactly. Yeah you, yeah, you all make it back to the to the launch pad. If you manage to grab all four pieces, reassemble the ship, everybody gets there. You win. Easy, Ooh. right? <laughs> you would think so. I mean, the game plays easily, but it's simply. not easy to win. It's yeah, a simple game, simply. but it's not necessarily easy. Yeah. Uh, Jason and I have won, uh, lost this game in, I, I think, record time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how, that was pretty bad. How many turns in did we get in 2016 what, like, when we played this? 
like five or six maybe if that yeah i mean yeah. uh there's there's enough random chance in this game with where the storm moves and you know like how your your sun beats down cards are going to get you know affect you and whether or not you're going to be exposed when that happens and whether or not you have like you know water or you flip over an oasis and whether it's a real oasis or not a, not a real oasis which can refill your canteen yeah, it can be a mirage yeah uh there's enough random chance in this game that things can go real bad real fast and you can just lose you know um yeah and I don't feel like there's enough random chance in the other direction that it's ever super easy, but definitely you find ways to sort of mitigate the luck in a way that makes it, um, I think, a challenge, but a fair challenge in this game. Something that yeah. you can win. I've, I've won this game plenty of times. Uh, I've lost it plenty of times as well. But I feel like after playing this game for years and years now, I, I would just guess based on a feeling that it's around 50-50. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. I mean, some of it also depends on the composition of the the character because w when you start the game, you do get a character that has like certain abilities. Mhm. Mm um and depending on the composition of the various characters that are playing, like you could have some abilities that are perhaps more helpful than other ones. Yeah, yeah, like there's a water carrier that can carry extra water and share it with people. Yeah, there's a um, dude that can uh like diagonally yeah <laughs> yeah like like i think there's five different roles in the game maybe there's like a maybe an archaeologist or an excavator or something yeah. you can remove like extra yeah. sand yeah, yeah definitely there's that there yeah um yeah but yeah so you know you're you're basically playing a little bit of a process of elimination game here trying to flip over tiles excavate them to find the the locations of the different parts um and in the meantime you're trying to basically um mitigate the game loss condition right so yeah. you know preventing the sand from getting too high and and preventing your your people from dying of thirst at the same time um because if the sand tile deck runs out if you've got too much sand on the board you lose if you lose all your water you lose right like there's a couple <laughs> ways that you can lose the game and so you're constantly trying to fight this balance of of mitigating the loss conditions while also making progress towards the win conditions and that sounds a whole lot like another game called pandemic <laughs> right yeah the the inspiration there is uh, the pretty... similarities between these two <laughs> games there there are very 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 many of them right like like in Pandemic, you've got these these disease cubes that are just popping up around the board, slightly randomized, and you're moving around trying to prevent them from – you're moving around trying to mitigate the spread and, and treat those so that they you know go away for a little while, and it gives you time to then try to work on finding cures. Which So same deal. You're trying to mitigate loss conditions while advance win conditions. Same exact deal. You're moving around with these different characters that have variable abilities. You're spending four actions – to try to you know like do those things you know the 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 mitigate loss goal and the advance the the win goal and that's the exact same thing in this game so it's almost like he took like just the sort of like skeleton of pandemic and applied it to this game which is a little bit simpler because you've just got like a, tw a five by five grid of squares to move around on rather than like this complicated map of the world like you do in pandemic yeah. right and i don't i don't often find forbidden desert as um I don't want to say annoying, but as maybe cumbersome as pandemic can be. How so? Uh, well, the, I mean, the thing with the outbreaks, like if the outbreak really gets going, it starts snowballing at a much faster rate than I think sometimes you can, you can handle. 
Yeah. I feel like I feel like the pacing of Forbidden Desert is much more even. I think Pandemic can go south really quickly. Yeah, I guess that's true, although we've also learned that that can happen in Forbidden Desert. Yeah, too. but it's pretty rare. Yeah, it's not as common. You know, I don't know. I've played a lot of Pandemic, and I've played a lot of Forbidden Desert, and... I don't know. I, I feel like Forbidden Desert is just a little bit faster playing game. Um, I tend to get through a game of Forbidden Desert in like 30 minutes pretty often. And a pandemic game usually takes me closer to an hour, you know. And so when I want to get out a you know relatively simple, easy to teach co-op game that, you know, uses these sorts of rules, which, you know, it's, it's easy to compare these two games. Um, I'm probably slightly more likely to get out Forbidden Desert, not because I don't like Pandemic, I do like Pandemic, but because Forbidden Desert is just a little faster and maybe a little easier to teach. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely more of a game that I can play with more casual gamers than than Pandemic would be. Although, I mean, Pandemic isn't that you know isn't that bad, but it's still a little bit more of a steep learning curve. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a difference in inches, not miles. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's still just, it's just a little bit easier for me to get out Forbidden Desert and teach it. And usually when I'm getting out one of these games, it's because we've got like, you know, somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes to play a game before somebody needs to leave or, you know, everybody's going to be too tired to play anything else. And yeah. so I tend to lean towards Forbidden Desert just because I can fit it into one of those little, you know, time spaces a little easier. Um, I wonder how much of this is helped by the fact that like Forbidden Desert kind of looks like a kid's game. Does it? Like. I think it does. Like, first of all, it comes in a metal tin, which is kind of cool. true. Yeah. <laughs> but secondly, like, uh, the setup is like, I don't know, it looks like memory or yeah, that's something true. like that. And it's okay, got like, yeah, these chunky yeah. plastic pieces. So, and, like, so not a kid's not... game in the sense that it looks like a, it was made by Fisher Price, like Reef. No, no. But a kid's game in the sense that it, it, it looks like, you know, like lots of kids' games have like square tiles that you lay out in a. In a... Yeah, I yeah, mean, and plus true. the art style is kind of cartoony. I mean, it would, it sort of, it looks like it was meant to appeal to children. Maybe. I, I don't know. I... <laughs> Say, well, I think the the effect of that is that it makes it more approachable for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, it's just the rule set is not all that complicated either. Well, so. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, like, I, I feel like if you're not a fan of cooperative games that are prone to quarterbacking, right, is this a good game for you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it can fall into that. I, yeah, I, I think that this game and, and Pandemic are kind of um, infamous for having quarterbacking problems, right? So, more so I, I usually have that more so with Pandemic, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I feel I like... Can see how, I can see how Forbidden Desert can be that way. I mean, it's such a similar game, right? That it, yeah. it has to be prone to the same thing. Um, may, maybe a little less so, because I feel like there's just a little bit more random chance in Forbidden Desert than there is in Pandemic. Um, you know, because in Pandemic, you kind of know which cities are going to come up in the infection deck... Um, within mm. a, a certain time frame because of the way that you, you know, like uh, intensify the, the deck them, and everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, if you're if you're a practiced player at Pandemic, you're going to just sort of, like, be aware of some of those things and be speaking up about them more often to the players that are less, you know, uh, less practiced with that game. Whereas in this game, it's a lot more just random chance in general, right? That you can't really, like, count, count cards as much and, and know exactly what's going to happen within two or three turns. It's a little mm. tougher in this game, not impossible for certain things but i feel like it's just not quite as obvious and so i feel like quarterbacking is maybe a little bit lessened in this game compared to pandemic but it's still present yeah yeah that's true i mean especially when you have to kind of like you get down to those situations where it's like all right well if that next card is a sun beats down card and you're here or you're not right if you're in the tunnel you're safe if you're not 
Right. So like on the off chance that it is the Sunbeats Down card, like you should probably get to the like that kind of yeah, you, you've got a player that's like, I want to use my jetpack to jet over here and pick up this piece because they want to do something that feels productive, right? Right. That's the thing in a lot of cooperative games is that, like, players that are newer to the game, they just want to feel productive, right? And the player that's played the game a million times is saying, well, now hold on. Like, we're close to a loss here, and if you have to drink from your canteen one more time, you're going to die. You really need to hold on to that jetpack so that you can fly to this tunnel so that you can be safe if the sun beats down. And that's the thing. Like, certain players just don't want to hear that, right? They just want to go and grab right. the piece and be productive, and then if they lose, they lose, right? Yeah, it's um, also not terribly fun. It's like, I can hide in a tunnel, or I can go grab this piece that I, we need to build I can to build be prepared airship. to hide in a tunnel. Right, right. not even yeah. hiding in the tunnel yet. Right. I'm just yeah. holding this back in case I need to, um, <laughs> because that's what you're telling me to do, Alpha Gamer. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? With these games, like you tend to, if you're a practiced player, you tend to think about all the loss conditions that could possibly pop up, and you think about playing a longer game, perhaps, and like holding back certain resources in the event that you need them to, you know, like extend the length of the game to then, you know, succeed at the at the win conditions. Whereas other newer players are probably looking at the very active, obvious, I should do this because that gets us closer to the win condition, right? Right, um, yeah. And I see that happen a lot with this particular game, and that's when I am prone to quarterbacking people, so I know that it exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you're right. It can, it can definitely be there. I just, I, I do, um, I do tend to think that you experience it more like when the game gets more intense. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but it's a shorter game so it intensifies relatively quickly you know like it's gonna feel pretty intense after 15 minutes of playing it that's true yeah Yeah. which is also fun (laughs) (laughs) so what do you uh what do you like about this game um just that right i I like that it is a rather intense game it is a game where there's a certain amount of strategy but also a certain amount of luck so one player isn't just going to be planning out everybody's moves because you don't know exactly what's going to happen you might be able to say things like i was saying like you know prepare for this eventuality because it's going to happen soon but we don't know necessarily whether it's going to happen this turn or in three turns right um and so it leaves enough openness that you can say okay you do what you think you're going to do but maybe keep this in mind right and so Mm -hmm. there's enough openness in this game that you can kind of go about uh, trying to achieve your own personal goals. Um, and it's very, very fun when you win, right? Like when you finally like <laughs> when you finally get all those pieces and everybody manages to hold back just the right amount of resources or, or you know, like like uh, equipment cards or whatever to get to that to that launch pad, put that ship together. It comes with physical pieces that snap together to make this little like Final Fantasy worldly gig ship. This is one of my favorite things about right, this. Yeah. But this game is that this this plastic ship serves no practical purpose in the gameplay whatsoever yeah it's just the joy of putting together a little toy at the end because you earned it you know (laughs) and then you get to fly away high five everybody because you did it and then you get to pack the game up in like less than five minutes because there's only like a handful of components to it and you get to put it away right it's easy to set up it's really really fun within about like five or ten minutes you start to feel the pressure of that storm building up and your canteen getting low um, making some choices to get you a little closer to that finish line. And oftentimes when I lose this game, we're like a turn or two away from winning, right? Like yeah. most of the time when I play this game, we lose by like, you know, a hair or we win by a hair. And that's always yeah. fun. And that's always exciting. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I even have fun when we lose this game. Like yeah, you absolutely. and I always talk about that game that we lost, as we mentioned earlier, in record time. Well, that and was hilarious just because it was like so ridiculously I, It was so funny. To, like, that's the thing. Was, we just couldn't get a break. I don't know 
know that that would be fun if it happened all the time or for everybody, but to you and I, we just True, thought it was yeah. hilarious. So, you know, yeah, so if that was somebody's like it. first experience yeah, playing the horrible. game, it might not have been great. But exactly. Yeah. We thought this, it was funny. Yeah, we've already played this game like, you know, like at least like a dozen times by the time that happens. So, right. Yeah. And yeah. then Kyle, Kyle scolded me for trying to put the airship together. You don't he put the airship we... together if you don't earn it. That's right. He said we didn't deserve to. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, like I see, that's a game that we lost, and like it's it's one of my more memorable uh, encounters with this game. <laughs> with any game, really. <laughs> yeah, really, we talk about true. that more than we talk about most other games. Like there's Twilight yeah, Imperium, true. and then there's this that one game where we lost. <laughs> those are the those are the gaming memories that stick out. Right, well, yeah. there's a few others, but you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Is um, it, what else do you like about this game? Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you you would want to point out as like something that? Uh, that you would try to sell uh, a player on or, uh, you know, a gamer out there on, on, on why they might want to think about picking this game up? Um, usually I think about it in comparison with the other ones in the series. So, mm-hmm. you know, we already talked about Forbidden Sky, um, which it has its merits, but I think Forbidden Desert is a better game. Forbidden Sky only makes sense if you already have played and own the other ones. Yeah, because, yeah, it's, it's because so the difficulty level harder. is yeah. yes, oh God, it's so hard. much harder. Yeah. Um I think Forbidden Desert has a nice balance between difficulty and fun. Yeah. Um so and I you know I've only played Forbidden Island once and the one time I played it I was like I like Forbidden Forbidden, Forbidden Desert better. Yeah, I played Forbidden Desert before I played Forbidden Island. Now I've yeah, played so Forbidden I. Island plenty of times now. I've played it quite a few times actually. Um but it feels like it feels like this game's little brother, right? Like it, there's just a little less going on there. You're still kind of moving around this island and trying to find certain things, um, but it's not as complicated, I think, in the rule set. So I, I think that this one is just a little bit better uh, of a game for somebody that's looking for something with a little bit more substance to it, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 I feel like this game is maybe a little bit fairer too, or something. I don't know. Like like Forbidden Island, just I don't know. Like it, it feels a little bit heavier on the uh the randomness and and that can really kind of screw you up uh, in that game the times that i played it i guess that's true yeah anyway i was trying to put my finger on what exactly it was about forbidden island that i didn't really care for i I think think, that's it yeah part of its control right like like when pieces of the island fall apart there's not a whole sometimes you just can't do anything about it like you might just get cut off from parts of the island and the only thing that might save you is that like there's basically like two potential places for each idol you're trying to find or whatever right um, yep. so like there's, there's, there's a certain randomness to that game that there's less mitigation for, whereas in this game, there's all kinds of things that change. Like, you know, the, the board state changes constantly. So even though you might be relatively cut off from something you really need right now, this turn, if the storm moves those tiles around a certain way, you might get access to it later. Right. True. Um, and it, also like you can technically quote unquote lose tiles by having too much sand on them, but you can get them back. Yeah, like yeah. you can't do that in Forbidden Island. Yeah. So I feel like they just found a really good balance with Forbidden Desert in sort of like the the balance of randomness mitigation, randomness for fun, as well as like things that you can plan for and and sort of like you know use strategy to succeed or not succeed. So yeah, I, I feel like they found a really good balance there. And the game is cheap as hell. Okay, <laughs> yeah, like, it's really cheap. Like I think that the MSRP is twenty five. Like what games come out these days with MSRP suggested retail value of twenty five dollars? like hardly especially anything. for a game that's like this well produced like it's yeah, yeah. i mean the, the, the pieces are all like cardboard and paper but they're like 
really <laughs> substantial. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, if you look at Amazon, like, right now it's showing up uh, as $18 on Amazon, right? Um, and you can probably find this, like, cheap uh, during, like, sale periods of the year for 15 bucks or something. But yeah. seriously, it's worth 25 bucks. Like, if you just walked into the game store and was like, I need a decent co-op, um, I want something new, something relatively simple something that plays relatively quickly this is a great choice and it's totally worth 25 dollars. oh yeah i've totally given this game as gift oh yeah yeah that would be a that would be a pretty decent gift yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah those are the reasons why we like forbidden desert those are the reasons why we think that it would be um you know a real good purchase for somebody who is putting together a collection early on or somebody that feels like they maybe need just like a little bit more cooperative games in their collection or maybe just somebody that has played other matt leacock games like pandemic or you know forbidden island and is looking for maybe just one more of those to fill out round out a collection i think that you know this would be a real good second purchase for you know like somebody who's interested in in his particular games yeah absolutely yeah any other thoughts on that jason uh no just uh if you get a chance you should really try it it's a fun game all right so if people would like to get a hold of us and tell us what their favorite dungeon crawls of all time are i wonder if we've used that one before i don't know we're gonna be talking about a dungeon crawler next week so we would like to hear from you about what dungeon crawlers you have played and loved um or if there's a particular type of dungeon crawler that you would like to see that doesn't exist how would they get a hold of us and let us know jason all right well if you want to let us know about dungeon crawlers that you've loved with every part of your body you can write to Mm. us uh email it's podcast at limitedplaytime.com uh you can go to the website limitedplaytime.com you can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast we're finally getting around to it next week we are talking about gloomhaven it's gloomy the uh sort of sort of uh long-term uh what do they call it (laughs) legacy type game that is also like the most you know, I guess fleshed out dungeon crawler you can possibly imagine. Um, and maybe we'll also talk a little bit about why it's not actually a dungeon crawler. <laughs> um, the Holy Roman Empire is neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. Yeah. So, so this is the best dungeon crawler and also not a dungeon crawler kind of at the same time. So you can tune in next week and listen to why all those things are true simultaneously. And also <laughs> whether or not Jason likes the game at all, because the jury is still out on that. He has not touched the game yet. I know. It sits in my closet and yeah. likes me. Yeah. All right. So all right. <laughs> we'll see you in one week. Thanks for listening. Later. Bye. Bye.